Hey, it's August 17, 2022. Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marsh Cafe right here on Hawaii Public Radio, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum, and this week we'll jump right into our conversation, and we're talking about EHAWK, which is the electric-powered glider air- aircraft. And, of course, I'd wanna, I want to welcome to the show, we've got uh, Martin, Martin M.D., He's the uh, Ilani Sullivan Center project engineer. And, uh, and of course, we also have a recent graduate, Marco Story, and they're both here to tell us about the, uh, the building of the EHAWK. And of course, they'll explain exactly what this electric powered glider aircraft is like. And I want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you. Hi, Bert. Thank you so much for having us. Great. And I, you know, I got a chance to, to visit and, and see. Uh, the actual aircraft, and I am uh, actually quite floored and impressed by what you folks have uh, built right there on the, what is it, the fourth floor? Was it the third floor? The third floor of uh, Sullivan Center. And and uh, Martin, maybe you can tell me, like, this happened, this idea was kind of hatched before the pandemic, right? And and the idea of maybe building this uh, this aircraft. What 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 was the uh, genesis of this idea? Um, well, at, at the time that we started, I think the Sullivan Center was had been open for maybe three years or so. And, you know, since day one, we've been kind of pushing the boundaries here and seeing what, experimenting and seeing what, what students are truly capable of. And with the resources that we have available to us, um, I thought, uh, why not try electric flight? I mean, electric electric flight has been going on for a long time now in the RC, the remote control mm-hmm. arena, and uh, electric cars have have been around now and are almost I don't want to say ubiquitous, but we're getting close. Each of the, the major manufacturers has something to offer in the uh, fully electric realm. Uh, and I, in my uh, uh, past job at another school, I developed, or didn't develop, but I, we did a couple of electric vehicle conversions, you know, roadworthy mm-hmm, vehicles mm-hmm. that we stripped the internal combustion engine out of, and then we replaced it with an electric motor and a bunch of batteries. And at that time, it was lead acid. This was, you know, uh, almost 15 years ago, we were, we were dumping lead acid batteries and we even got a hold of some nickel metal hydride batteries, which were, you know, one grade above. Um, and we produced a couple cars that, you know, they, they weren't anything groundbreaking. They could do maybe 50 to 80 mile range. Mm -hmm. Um, but they worked, you know, for a certain, for a certain mission, they were, they were just fine. Um, and then obviously since then the battery technology has, gotten to a state now where we have electric cars that are close to or rival their internal combustion engine counterparts. So I thought, well, why not? Let's go, you know, the next phase in electric evolution uh, could be uh, manned flight and aircraft. Um, so that was kind of a, a, an idea that was spinning around in my head for a while. And then once I uh, joined the Iolani team and was put into this, this Sullivan Center, um, with the resources, not just in tools, but the you know like-minded faculty and engineers, mm-hmm. I thought you know this is this is the right time. Let's uh, let's see if we can get an electric airplane to fly. So that's kind of how it all uh, came about. So did you uh, did you have to put a proposal together? Did you have to convince some people of what it might cost and and how it might uh, get actually built over there at the Sullivan Center? Was it a was it a 
you know, a, a heavy convincing job, or it sounds like it was uh, pretty much embraced by a lot of a lot of the uh, folks over there. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't difficult difficult at all. Um, I, I think I, I think you've spoken with Dr. Cottrell on a couple occasions, and mm-hmm. he has mentioned the the Sullivan Center. I know he did way back when it first o- opened up because that's how I got wind of it. I think I actually heard him speak on your program about it. Um, but as far as the plane goes, it was basically um, a simple email to Dr. Cottrell uh, with some, you know, back of the envelope calculations, cost estimates. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was more than 15 minutes where I, I got a response and him saying, let's do it. Well, that's, uh, that's um, so, great. And that goes for everything that we've done at Sullivan. We've had tremendous, you know, administrative support and, um, you know, it's a big deal. And it's, it's obviously what's gotten us, a big part of what's gotten us here, you know, allowing the, the faculty to, to experiment, to explore, to push boundaries. So mm-hmm. that, that wasn't hard at all. So, Marco, you're uh, involved with this. How did you, how did you come to being involved with uh, the the team that built eHawk? Yeah, of course. So I actually started out right at the beginning of the project in my freshman year back in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and the project idea was brought to me by Mr. MD. I believe he had known that I had an interest in the aerospace industry as well as in sustainable technology. And he brought this idea to myself and some other fellow students and had proposed it to us as a possible project for us to take on as an extracurricular opportunity. And it kind of just started from there. I've been working on it uh, ever since. And, and uh, Marco, like, you know, when, when a, a teacher comes and asks you to uh, get involved with this project, I mean, obviously you're going to say yes. How much, of a, how much of a time commitment was it over the course of, you know, those years that you worked on it? Yeah, uh, it definitely fluctuated a little bit over the years. There were times when I was coming in after school all the time and for several hours every weekend. Um, And then during COVID, we kind of um, dwindled just a little bit. Mm -hmm. It was hard to come in to work on the plane in person. So we were kind of stuck doing some online stuff. So there's been a little bit of fluctuation. um, But generally, it's been maybe a few hours every weekend um, for most of the time. And then in my senior year, we actually moved it to be uh, part of a class called Advanced Innovation and Leadership. Mm-hmm. So during that time, I had a slightly more kind of scheduled uh, opportunity to come in and work on the project during my class time. That's great. And, and Martin, you know, how did you select students? Marco being one of them, I mean, were you already kind of fielding a cross-section of, of talent that the, the students exhibited? And, and what, what kind of classes or programs did you, uh, you know, kind of check out to see who might be qualifying candidates to be a part of EHOC? Uh, for the most part, they were, they were, they were somewhat handpicked from our robotics program. Mm-hmm. And our robotics program is um, both um, elective courses. So we have, today we have four or five levels of robotics that students can sign up for either semester-long or year-long courses. And then we have a pretty strong um, after-school or extracurricular uh, robotics program uh, based around the, the first robotics competition. So I, you know, during the school day, I teach robotics electives. So I knew of 
which students might be interested mm-hmm. in a project like this. And then I also did some, I did some assisting in the after-school program as well. So um, I had a pretty good idea of, you know, what students, which students might be interested and also had a pretty good idea of what skills they would potentially bring to the, to the project. So again, um, that was, that was relatively straightforward too. It wasn't hard to, uh, to enlist these students once asked. So, uh, you know, I, I, I do want to find out, like, uh, what were the key expertise that you were looking for? Because when you start to put together a team, you're going to look for people that are pretty diverse because there's a number of different things that they need to address. So I'm kind of curious, like, uh, how did you, what were, what were sort of the, the differentiating uh, elements of, of who, how you went about selecting the students? And, and before we get to that, uh, I will take a short break. So we'll hold that thought. We'll be right back at this break to continue our conversation about eHawk with Martin MD. He's the Iolani Sullivan Center project, manager, project engineer and, of course, uh, a recent graduate who's been part of the team, Marco Story. Of course, this is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, Bavarian Motor Experts, and Chaminade University. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm happy to welcome Martin M.D. He's Iolani Sullivan's uh Sullivan Center's project engineer, and of course, uh, we've also got a recent graduate and a participant on the EHOC team, Marco Story, and they're here to tell us about the uh, building of this electric-powered glider aircraft, and uh, I want to welcome them to Bite Marsh Cafe. Of course, uh, right before the break, you know, we were talking about uh, some of the team members, and Martin, you know, you have to uh, uh, kind of build this team based on some some key expertise that you're looking for. And, you know, when building an aircraft, uh, there's everything from the aeronautics and there's the, the, the power system, there's the uh, kind of the, the, the control system, the user interface. There's a number of different um, elements of, uh, you know, talent that you're going to have to draw upon to build this. And then, of course, you know, there's the the folks that do project management and and uh, do some of that uh, outreach and media. So how did you how did you go about kind of like selecting the students that got involved with uh, with eHawk? Uh, the the project, um, you know, building an airplane, it's not much different than you know uh, any of the other types of robotics mm-hmm. projects that we that we kind of embark on. So in our robotics program, we we emphasize three three primary skills. That is, you know, mechanical design, um, electrical, and then software or coding programming. Mm-hmm. Um, so and this air- aircraft uh, required all three. So we needed mechanical design, and as you mentioned earlier, uh, Mariko was that was one of her prime um, areas of focus. Um, so again, have it being in the robotic space and teaching these students in the robotics classroom and working with them after school. Um, I knew that, and, and the same in the after school robot, robotics. They they're broken up kind of in the same way. They have the, the students that uh, program the robots. They have the students that do the wiring and the electrical design, and then all the, uh, the mechanical. So I, I knew which students, you know, had 
had skills in which area and which which ones they they wanted to go further with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't all that hard again because the, the students had a good technical technical base. The harder part was, like you mentioned, getting the students to do the some of the outreach and the project management and the the communication side. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember at one point, um, you know, polling the students. Okay, uh, at some point we're going to have to get this aircraft certified, and that's going to require, you know, getting on the phone, um, calling people from the state and federal government, um, filling out paperwork, and you know, looking up certain documents and all this other stuff. And it, 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 whenever things like that come up in the robotics realm, initially things go silent. And no one, you know, they all kind of look at each other and <laughs> yeah. say, well, I don't want to, you want to do that? I don't want to do that. I'm really good at, you know, working on the computer, doing computer-aided design. Or, no, I really should stick to programming this this part of the aircraft. Um, but then we, you know, with a little bit of encouragement and you know, telling them that, yeah, this is, I know you guys all want to do the technical stuff, but this, this other side of it is a big part of it. And if, for example, if we don't get the aircraft certified, then it's not going to fly. It's going to be, a, you know, an ornament in the Sullivan Center for years to come. Um, so we work through that, and um, eventually we get students that, you know, they're a little reluctant at first, but they, they come around. And the interesting part is once they get into it, um, you know, further and further, they some of them they kind of gravitate towards that even more and say, you know what, this project management is more up my alley than you know doing electrical wiring, for example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of the that that's kind of the process we go through. It's it's a little bit difficult at first, you know, picking out the project managers, finding someone that's really good with that that, that can work with their peers at, at that level. Um, but by the end of it, you know, when you do a, a project for that spans three to four years like this one has um you get some pretty skilled and competent individuals uh, when everything's said and done no that's really that's really well said and 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 marco what was it that you did i know you did mo- uh, mechanical and one of the things i remember you saying about the uh you know the frame uh and it a lot of it was aluminum tubing and that you know when you have to kind of like bend the aluminum it's good to fill it with sand so that it doesn't doesn't sort of crink <laughs> and I, th- I thought oh that's a very observant thing to to consider so how did how did you uh i mean is that mechanical is kind of your interest and and how did you apply that to you know building ehawk and and at the same time i mean please uh tell me about uh, you know some of the other students and who perhaps worked on the the uh you know the power system and and the did some coding and and developed the user interface. I mean, what were some of the other team members and and who they, who uh, who participated? But again, tell me about your your contribution as a as kind of a mechanical engineer. Yeah, of course. So for myself, like you said, I focus mainly on the mechanical engineering side of the project. So in the earlier years, a lot of that was focused on fabricating and constructing the structure for the aircraft itself. So we started by building up the fuselage and the tail boom Mm -hmm. uh, and then moved on to building out the other flight uh, flight surfaces like the wings, the ailerons, uh, horizontal stabilizers, elevators, um, and rudders, stuff like that. And then in later years, that kind of shifted, still in the mechanical realm, but shifted towards things like the wing covering um, and the covering for the remaining flight surfaces. 
Um, the mechanical design also involves some work for the electronics as well, so things like the main power panel as well as the instrument panel. So most of my focus was in that uh, mechanical engineering realm. Um, but kind of going back to what Mr. MD said earlier, I had actually been encouraged by Mr. MD uh, to focus on media throughout this project as well, and that was something that I was slightly reluctant to get into <laughs> at the beginning. Uh-huh. Um, but then throughout the course of the project, really got interested in it um, and was able to take initiative on that aspect of the project. So I just kind of wanted to highlight that based on what Mr. Andy said. Um, and in terms of the other students working on the project, we've had some amazing students uh, on our team. The main one that I can think of right now is a student named Jenny Yoshida. He wasn't able to join us at the press, press conference the other day. Uh, but he did a lot of work on the electrical systems, um, as well as the coding, the avionics. He helped with the mechanical side as well. He's been with the project since the very beginning. Um, and there are a number of other students, including Dylan Danio, who worked on the avionics, mm-hmm. uh, Noah Taniguchi, and uh, Dylan Fujihara, Nia Lum. They all worked on the mechanical components alongside me, and there have been a number of other students sprinkled in along the years as well. Yeah, no, that that's great, and you know, it's really a testament to, uh, you know, Martin bringing those students together, getting them all to work uh, in areas that uh, they feel compelled to get involved in, as well as uh, expanding beyond their comfort comfort zones. And you know, I I, I do really uh, like the idea that. Martin, you, you, you've kind of exposed them to the other side of, of, of building stuff, and then that's actually certifying it and getting it to the right place to actually you know, take its virgin flight. And, and I, I do want to talk to you, Martin, about you know, the next phase and, and where this now uh, goes from the third floor of Sullivan Center to someplace that it'll actually have a runway and you know, actually take its virgin flight. So why don't we, why don't we uh, kind of like uh, hold that thought and, of course, we'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Martin M.D. He's the Ilani Sullivan Center project engineer. And, of course, uh, we've got a recent graduate, Marco Story, and we're talking about building and flying the E-Hawk. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe on HPR One. I'm Bert Lam. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Martin M.D. He's the Iolani Sullivan Center project engineer and instructor, and of course, uh, we've got Marco Story, recent uh, Ilani graduate, and uh, we're talking about the um, EHOC and building it, and and you know <clears throat> we um, you know when the Sullivan Center first kind of opened up, uh, uh, we did have uh, several community events happen over there. We had a couple of unconferences and you know uh, kind of code challenges uh, at the Ilani Center, but Ilani Sullivan Center. But now with EHOC over there, you know taking up all the space. I mean the wingspan and everything is like taking up half the floor there. So. You know, I don't think you can have any more uh, uh, unconferences there. But uh, Martin, you know, uh, EHOC's not going to stay there. It's not big of not, not enough of a runway to <laughs> to fly it from from the Sullivan Center or from the soccer field. So, what's the you know what's the game plan you know moving forward? And and I think as you mentioned, you know, one of the students needed to really get the you know get the 
documentation all put together and 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 interact with you know folks over at the uh, aviation federal aviation's uh, um, associate I mean uh, administration you know how do you get it to wherever it's gonna go to to take its virgin flight so what's uh, what's the game plan for that uh, phase of the project uh, the first part of that process was getting its airworthiness certificate, which we finally received, I believe, uh, back in May timeframe. Uh, so you can, as you can imagine, dealing with the FAA, um, and especially during uh, just coming off of COVID, uh, the backlog was, was pretty big in, in getting a response um, from them. But in any event, we were able to supply them with all the the required documentation, which I won't go into detail now. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they received that, they had a um, FAA representative come out uh, from the local branch to inspect the aircraft uh, and look it over, make sure it was flight worthy. So we had that done. Um, they spent a few hours here, um, you know, asking questions, going through the systems. And they did ding us on one thing. The end number was uh, two inches tall when it needed to be three inches tall. Uh, so that was the only thing they caught us on. We rectified that, sent in a picture of the of the larger end number, and it was shortly thereafter where we received our piece of paper, our special airworthiness certificate. Um, so that makes us legal to fly. Um, the next step was to acquire a hangar out at um, Dillingham Airfield. And we just got word a few days, I think a few days ago, that uh, the, all the paperwork went through, and the land board and the army have approved our hangar rental. And it just turns out that I don't know, I want to say maybe three hours ago, we uh, finished dismantling the aircraft, so it's all in pieces now. And we have the the big uh, concern was whether we would be able to fit the wing. That's the largest single piece mm-hmm. out of the building and we just squeaked it out um so the wings are out the rest of the smaller parts are still in sullivan center and this friday we will be transporting the plane out to dillingham airfield at which point we will start the uh, flight test regime and that's going to start off with some simple taxi tests and see how the aircraft handles on the ground make sure everything's working properly and then the first few flights will just consist of a, a runway heading flight where we, you know, take off, take off, and this plane should take off in, in easily in 50 to 100 feet, and then we'll remain, you know, maybe 30 feet off the ground outside of ground effect. And because of its uh, slow flight characteristics, we can theoretically do, you know, a two to three minute test flight just the length of the runway. So we take off at the start. And then land at the at the end, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that will give us plenty of time to you know test the the flight characteristics. Uh, we can do some simple turns, um, but all staying you know relatively safe to the ground. Yeah, we'll do that a number of times until we've we're you know confident that all the systems and everything's working as designed, and then at that point we would take it up higher and you know fly it around in the pattern, and maybe even you know because of where that airport's situated. Um, they do all the glider tours out there, and there's a reason for that because there's a lot of ridge lift as the trade winds come up and hit up against the uh, the mountain there. Um, it provides a fair amount of lift. So, uh, you know, 
hopefully someday we can get up into that and and stay up for longer durations of time. And and Martin, you know, why don't why don't you share a little bit about what goes into powering uh, this aircraft? Because uh, it was all pretty much all even the all the power systems were constructed over at Ilani. Uh, yeah, right. We got the um, the motor and the motor controller were something that we ordered off the shelf. So we did not design and fabricate those, um, but we did wire those all together. We um, created a you know a, the master power panel where we can we can we have a main disconnect for the, the main bus, and then the twelve volt auxiliary bus can be switched off. Um, but then a lot of work came in the form of the instrument panel. We decided to go fully custom on that, and we're it's called a glass panel. Mm-hmm. All the modern aircrafts have it now, where instead of the old you know steam gauges, analog gauges, mm-hmm. everything now is a you know digital display. So we decided, well, this is a, a modern aircraft coming out of a modern facility, and we have the tools and resources to do some of this work here. So why not? Let's make it. You know, fancy, and some people might say, "Yeah, it's a little overkill," but that's that's not the point. The point was to, you know, expose students and and challenge them. So we have created a fully digital uh, avionics system that can comprised of a the engine or electrical display system, which uh, gives the pilot pretty much everything they need to know about the electrical system in terms of you know battery. Uh, capacity, RPM, motor RPM, uh, temperatures of the motor controller and the battery, and current draw, power draw, and things like that. In addition to the an airspeed, a custom-made airspeed uh, indicator and uh, altimeter to report the altitude. And the three systems all, you know, they they all talk to one another, and we also have data logging, which should prove helpful in the flight test. So after a given test flight, uh, we can download all of that data that I just described and analyze it and see how, how the aircraft is performing and if there are any anomalies anywhere in the systems. You know, so uh, Marco, now that uh, they're moving into the next phase of, of uh, EHOC and, and getting it out to uh, Dillingham and, of course, your your design and your um, you know, mechanics of, of actually being able to take the wings apart, I think, were, were probably greatly appreciated. So, Marco, how does, you know, what happens as as you now go back to college? I mean, are you going to, how are you staying in touch with, you know, what happens with EHOC? And, and does this now kind of shift to another uh, set, of, set of students becoming the next phase of the team? Yeah, uh, I'm definitely really excited to see it out and flying and I certainly will be following along with the project and staying in contact with everyone on the team but I am hoping that there might be new students at Huolani who are interested in taking this project forward as we had kind of described last week as well. There are many improvements that can be made on this plane um, and kind of modifications that any students if they have the ideas for it could be um, could take on, I guess, as an additional project. So that mm-hmm. would be very exciting to see. So uh, in the last uh, few seconds, uh, Marco, where can people find out more about EHOC? Yeah, of course. Please feel free to check out our website and our blog at ehoc.eolani.org and check out our Instagram at ehoc underscore aircraft. Very good. I'll put that up on our show notes. 
Martin MD, he's the instructor and Iolani Sullivan Center project engineer. And of course, uh, Marco Story, recent Iolani graduate. And of course, she is heading over to Princeton. She's in her second year. And of course, I want to thank them both for joining us. And thank you for listening to Bite Mars Cafe. Join us next week when we're here, we'll hear about Movers and Shakas and, of course, their Hawaii Talent Onboarding Program. If you, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarscafe.org. Our engineer is David Chung. You can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app or on your favorite podcast application. You stay safe and, of course, you stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Mars Cafe. Stay tuned. Tune, reveal is next.